Hey, Bible love, welcome to the last episode of Numbers. We got a lot to get through today and we'll get there. Hopefully um, we'll get through because Mary Balfour and I discovered this is the first time we're both recording on Central Time Zone. She is back at her beloved Monteagle camp and I am in my backyard, which is the only place in my life without boxes right now. It really looks like and so we are going Texas. That back The pool's pretty nice. Yeah, at some point, one of my kids may run out here and dive in there, and I apologize for any commotion that happens. Yeah, I just couldn't get enough of Tennessee, so I had to come back for a few more days. Um, So, yeah, we're both weirdly on Central Time. Um, But here we are, finishing up numbers. Here we are. Yeah. And today, July 22nd, is the Feast of St. Mary Magdalene. So I thought we would pray that collect. Let us pray. Almighty God, whose blessed Son restored Mary Magdalene to health of body and of mind, and called her to be a witness of his resurrection, mercifully grant that by your grace we may be healed from all our infirmities, and know you and the power of his unending life, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. You got a lot of numbers happening today. So, yeah, we've got almost <laughs> half the book. Um, uh, you know, a lot happened in the first several chapters, and then twenty through twenty-six is kind of a segue. Mm-hmm. Twenty and twenty-one are kind of a segue preparation, and then twenty-two is is more of the journey that leads through the end. And so, we'll try to tackle all of that in the next twenty yeah, or so. A lot minutes. happens though, but uh, um, some there's some points that we really did want to sort of concentrate on too um you're in dad's numbers you know that's kind of a big deal moses's brother has in numbers yeah that's it yeah and that comes up in here um moses gets some bad news um and they start to prepare for like life after aaron Mm -hmm. and moses and and so there's a lot here in Numbers 20 through 36 that's repetitive, right? There's more laws given. There's more complaining. There's We'll talk a little bit about how God responds to the complaining by like signs and wonders and, and things like that. But, but we also get the sense that something is changing. It's not just the journey as it has been. You know, Leviticus and now Numbers has been kind of just trucking right. along, trucking along. We got Moses and Aaron and the people. And it's been decades. It's been a long time. And there's a change of command. There's a change of generations. And this right here, starting in Numbers 20 through the end of the book, is is where the Israelites start to prepare for. This process is bigger than we who live right now. And we have to start preparing for what comes yeah. after us. That, that word preparing feels like a huge theme in Numbers. Um, uh and and we see that so often and also we seem to see that in our own lives so often right like how do we prepare for what's next even if it's like a journey like you've done alan where you've literally moved from one state to the next changing you're still a priest but really changing the kind of work that you do which is so evident that kind of preparing right 
or if it's just preparing for the day. What What's going to happen today? How are we going to let God into our lives today? I think this is um, really, as I think about numbers, a pretty huge theme um, in, in what's happening. And then this change of leadership is, I mean, Moses has been with us a long time, right? Absolutely. And, you know, he right off the jump in Numbers 20, right, we get Aaron, who's been the right hand, who's even quarreled with Moses and challenged and refined Moses in his leadership. He's gone. And so who does Moses then rely on? Who Who do the people? Yeah, when his voice is gone. What comes next? Well, I mean, not that you've died, but I can kind of relate to this. So my buddy is now in Texas, my person that I would like, you know, put things off. And we're trying to do a really good job of talking. But also, like, how do you do that in life, right? When someone moves or changes, that relationship changes, dies, you know, whatever it might be. How do you still find those voices that pour into you and feed into you and um, and how do you open yourself up to new voices um, when you're still sort of grieving the one that you've spent a lot of time with or, you you know, was sort of that voice for you? So I'm sure Moses had a lot of um, sadness in his heart, too. I mean, because this was a death. It was his brother, you know, but it was kind of his guy, right? His his person. Um, so I can kind of relate to that right now with my buddy Alan in Texas and, and other friends, right. That just, you know, as life goes on in and out, those people that you depend on, um, I'm sure there was some real grief for Moses in that. Yeah. And here, you know, again, we see Moses struggles with his faith and he has throughout, like God says to do something. We see often Moses' struggle, but then he does it. And here, in 27, right, in Numbers 20, verse 27, Moses did as the Lord commanded. They went up to Mount Or in the sight of the congregation. Moses stripped Aaron of his vestments, and put him on his son Eleazar, and Aaron died there. And so there's this idea that God knows what's coming, and God is making preparations. And so Eleazar is going to step into this role. And Moses, as as much as he's going to mourn, it says here that Moses and the Israelites mourned days, for 30 yeah. days. As much as he's going to mourn, Moses is also trusting that, that God is making yeah. provision. Even in the midst of the crap, even in the midst of the death, Eleazar will be there. Other folks will come alongside and that, that God will continue yeah, to provide. I love that. I love that. We, we forget it often, though, don't we? <laughs> And that's okay because grief is part of it and grief is there, but God does always provide. And I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. And then we move into 21. This is one of those stories that folks, some know from numbers, right? There's not a lot in here. We're talking about God's provision. Um, we get the people from Mount Hor. They're setting out to go by the Red Sea to go around Edom, but they became mm-hmm. impatient. Here again, we have the Israelites becoming impatient. They spoke, yeah, they speak against God. Moses, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die? Again, they're saying we were better when we were enslaved. There's no food and water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people. So many Israelites died. Mm. So here's this, like, 
there's complaining and there's a plague mm-hmm. of snakes, right? And we've seen plagues before. We've seen God act through nature, through supernatural mm-hmm. happenings. But here he's doing it because God is doing that ostensibly because folks are right. complaining. And then we get this whole thing about, um, you know, God tells Moses, get a serpent, um, put it on a staff, raise it up. And if people look at it, they'll be healed. And I think we talked about this when we did the overview for, for numbers, there was an allusion to this in our gospel reading a month or Mm -hmm. two ago where, um, you know, in the gospel, it says as Moses lifted up the serpent, so the son of man must be lifted up. And so there's that idea that, that Jesus, if we look upon Jesus, we Mm -hmm. will be healed. Uh, just as folks who had been bitten by these snakes looked upon this serpent right. and were healed. We, as Dr. Tony said, who live on the other side of the cross, on the other side of Jesus, we don't need the snakes right. to do that. Um, we need to look to Jesus. Yeah, but I, I think it also like shows the connection with the Old Testament and the New Testament and how important that is. And I think sometimes we forget that, you know, we just want to be people of Jesus, which we should be. We are, we are lovers of Jesus and Jesus died for us. But there is an importance in the Old Testament in God that was with the people of Moses, with the people of Numbers, you know, and, and showing that connection, I think is really um really important and also for those folks in that in Jesus's time to be able to go back and go oh yeah that we remember this from our history or we know this from our history where where Moses was with the serpent um and the people were healed um and that is like an image that you have in your head when you think about Bible stories you know especially in the Old Testament you know you think about Jonah and the well you think about all this but you you think about Moses and the serpent and that's a and I don't ever know if I ever remember that it was in numbers. So I'm kind of glad to like have that in my head now. Um, Oh yeah, that's something really significant out of numbers. Numbers, I don't know why, but until we did this, like never felt like it had a significant impact on me. Like I always knew Leviticus, I always kind of knew Exodus, Genesis, but I've really enjoyed this in numbers, realizing that some pretty significant things happened in numbers and I never connected the two. Um, those significant things with this particular book of the Bible. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's there, you know, it's one of the books of Moses, one of the five books of history. And we know Genesis, we know Exodus um, because of the great stories. We know Leviticus because of the way it gets used and misused, but kind of numbers. And then I think even Deuteronomy, these are kind of the afterthought, you know, they're the, the sequels to the great movie that everyone loves. And then there's, you know, Fast and the Furious <laughs> 8 that no one's seen. Well, I'm seen. thankful, though, that we're getting to kind of dig into this more. Um, you know, I, I'm sure I did some in seminary, um, but I don't remember it. So, I mean, that was kind of a long time ago, too. So, um, but no offense to my Old Testament professor at all. But um, I've, I've been grateful to realize that numbers really is significant. And I know Deuteronomy will feel the same way. Um, so let's keep going. So we got a lot, yeah. a lot more. I mean, we, we've kind of through, kind of went through pretty quick there. Um, but, but that significance of the serpent and then what happens next? Then we get Balaam, Balaam and the donkey. And right. So we have donkey. Balaam and uh, yeah. And so, you know, 
part of the setup for this, right, is like all these kings are, seem to feel threatened. And so they send people to try to take care of these Israelites who are just kind of meandering through different areas. And this one, um, you know, the Israelites set out and camped in the plains of Moab. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that the Israelites had done to the Amorites, and they were in great dread. And so then he gets Balaam and sets out to and asks Balaam to curse the Israelites. And there's a donkey involved, and it's a weird, yeah. like... <laughs> it is kind of weird. You know, you know, especially for us today. Sorry, the sun's coming up, and so it's, like, bright and shiny on my Don't forehead. Don't let your head hurt. Um, but what I get from... The, yeah. What I take from this is not the potential weirdness about this talking donkey and, like, it's not Shrek right. and whatever. But Balaam, Balaam even tells this this guy says you want me to say what what the Mm -hmm. lord tells me and this guy's like yeah curse the israelites and balaam's like you want me to say what the lord tells me he's like yes curse the israelites balaam talks and it's blessing right like he physically can't curse it seems like god the words god is speaking through him and so he does it once and he goes back and this bagok guy um balak it's like Mm -hmm. what are you doing I told you to curse these people. And Balaam said, I'm going to say what the Lord says. And he goes and does it again. Same thing. So it's this idea that, that even, even sometimes when we want bad things to happen, sometimes God won't allow it. And that's not to say bad things do happen, right? And I'm not trying to be Pollyanna. It just can't happen, you know, and there's something miraculous about that and something bigger than you and I could ever understand, you know, and maybe don't want to understand, you know, Um, but I love that thought that it doesn't matter how much we might want to be like when God is in us, when God is a part of us, when we are in love with God, I think those miraculous moments do happen. I'm sure you have a story of that and I have a story and everybody that's listening probably has a story. If we really think back on, you know, we might've wanted to be malicious or upset or whatever, but we just couldn't because we knew God had was in our hearts, but also I think has an expectation of us as followers of God, you know, to really do the right thing. Um, I think that's, there's something beautiful about that. So really not about the, yeah, and donkey, it's also right? kind of, it's, it's, it's the story behind it, you know, that's really cool. Yeah. And it's even, you know, I think back to, you know, those times when I try to resist mm-hmm. what God is trying to do. It just, and so this, to me, the fact that Balak keeps trying to get Balaam to do this and Balaam keeps saying I'm going to say what the Lord says and it's blessings instead of curses right it to me is kind of the relentless love Mm -hmm. of God right no matter how much we try to resist no matter how much we try to to pull back no matter how much Balak tried to do these curses God wouldn't allow it because God is relentless in his pursuit of blessing God is relentless in the pursuit of and love. his pursuit of us, right? To those kind of yeah. people, you know, I think God is always pursuing us, wanting more from us, wanting that. And so, yeah, resent, I mean, the love, the cherishing and us, and we can't forget that part. Um, yeah. A lot happens, but one thing that after um, Bela is we have a change in leadership, right? With Joshua coming on. 
And um, that has to be scary because Moses was really the leader for so long. I mean, years and decades, you know. Um, So that must have been pretty challenging for them. And we all know what that feels like. I mean, just in the Diocese of Upper South Carolina, we're in a bishop search right now, right? And so there will be a significant change in leadership. And you can feel it when the clergy are around, like, what will happen? What will happen? What will happen? Um, and we have structures in place. These folks didn't even have structures in place. Like what they must have been feeling, oh my gosh, Moses is leaving us and this new person is coming and how will this work? You know, there had to have been anxiety around that. Yeah. And this, I think, you know, we have Aaron who died and the thing that sets up this piece with Joshua here in 27, it starts with kids of someone else who had died. and so. We talked last week. This is the part in the story and the journey where a generation is dying off. And so you've got these folks who have known there's there were kids born on this journey. Right. There had to have been. And so there are folks who were grumbling because we had it better in Egypt. There are some folks who don't know anything about this journey. And so and so for those folks, they only know Moses and Aaron's leadership. They only know wandering and and trusting in God for provision. They only know that. And those things start to die off. Those things start to fade away. And what are you going to do? I mean, there, how, how are they raised to, to trust that what God has done through their parents, uh, potentially grandparents, right? Like how many generations are involved in this whole thing? Yeah. There's a lot that has to happen in that. And it's scary. Um, I'm recording my podcast. (laughs) Mary Balfour's a celebrity. Walking by. It's awesome. Um, So anyway, sorry about that, but this is the way it is in our little part of the world in Tennessee. Um, So yeah, I think that probably would have been really scary for them, but they had to embrace that because the generations had to go on. Right. And there's not much we could do other than trust in God and, and Joshua. So that was in 27, right? Just to keep everybody on, on task where we are. Yeah. 28, we get more offerings, you know, daily offerings, Sabbath offerings. We've talked about this before. God was concerned with, with how God's people pattern their life, even of their giving, even of their worship. And we get more of that still here and we'll get more of it. Some more offerings at Passover, special days set aside. And that keeps going. And then we get into 30, which is something I told Alan before I really wanted us to have a minute to talk about. Um, I learned this from um, the Lauren Chandler book that we suggested. And I mean, as a woman, I feel excited about this. And I really didn't know it was in numbers. But um, this chapter is all about the women um, who may not be married, right? And they don't have um, how when the land is passed down, it goes to their husbands. Right. So they might not be their husband might have died or they may not be married or whatever. And they go to Moses and say, we deserve this land. We deserve ownership. And I think it's probably maybe I'm wrong, but probably one of the first times that women kind of stand up for themselves in the Bible that we've seen so far. Of course, these women are not really named because that's how it happens in the Bible a lot. But 
um, they really do stand up for themselves. And um, Moses goes to God and says, what do you think? And God says, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I think this is right. So I think it's a great example, not just for women, but how we can have a voice. All of us can have a voice and say, you know, I don't know how to say this, not like test God, but, but push God. God is, are you okay with this? Do you, what do you think? Maybe we need to think about this in a different way. Um, what do you think, Alan? Yeah, I think that's, you know, it gets to the patriarchy kind Mm -hmm. of inherent in that the Bible was written mostly by men, historically speaking. That's what tradition tells us. The Bible was put together, these books collated by men. Um, And guys don't always think about things beyond (laughs) themselves. And so to the, the mere inclusion of this, right, the mere inclusion that there was consideration, I think says more. It may seem even minor, like even the fact that like a woman is seen testifying right. at something, even the fact that a woman was the first witness to the resurrection. That seems minor because it's right. it's small. But given given the view that of women in this time period as yeah. property essentially as a possession. The fact that they're included at all, I think speaks to what God is trying to break open. I'm sorry. Um, you know, uh, Moses probably somebody just went by on a really loud golf cart. <laughs> I apologize, folks. Um, maybe one no, will be more technical. Think, so apologize. But I, I think it's important that, yeah. that it's here and that Moses is wrestling with it and that they, the women felt emboldened to, to even bring it up. I agree. I mean, I think, it was really interesting to me that I really didn't even know this existed and shame on me as a female that I didn't dig it deeper into it. But now I do know, but I think you're right. Um, And it's not just women. It's whatever the issue may be that our voices are really important and that we should, and that, you know, God was willing to change his mind about it and say, yeah, this is, we're going to do this differently. We're going to think about this differently. Um, That's the beauty of minds. Right. And, um, it's so funny because right before we started recording, I was laughing with Alan that, you know, a male female friendships, they're, they're funny, but they're also great because they, they bring other perspectives into it. Right. And I think that's why God created men and women, right. So that we could have different perspectives. We could have different ideas come into this. So I'm really grateful that this is here in, um, numbers and that the women get some love and that the women had a voice and they were brave and they were strong. And they said, we want more. We want to be a part. And just because we're women doesn't mean we shouldn't. So I'm grateful for these ladies. Um, Okay. So should we try to finish up Um, numbers? It's a lot more like leaders and cities and um, directions and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, some, the directions is interesting. They, someone had been keeping track of everywhere they camped and started. So they had kind of their triple A triptych of where they had been, you know, they went to this stoplight and stopped for however long, and then they went here. And the fact that, that these folks were recording that part of it is they, they probably memorialized these places along the way, right? Remember they're setting up the tabernacle at these places. They're worshiping at these places. So there's that history. There's also more talk of the tribes and the census right. is taken. And they're very concerned with, they're, they're trying to keep a head count, right? Like they're, 
the leaders are responsible for these people. And as anyone has ever chaperoned a, a youth event or a kid's event, making sure that the number of kids get back on the bus that got off the bus is important. And so we see that play out in well, the and scripture. That cities and, then, and, and censuses and all that, like it goes back so long. This isn't something that like we created in America, right? In the, in the 1700s, like it has a history. It has an importance and it's not just for the heck of it. It's for, to account for everybody, to make sure everybody's loved and taken care of and all that good stuff. It's really important. Yeah. And I think it shows kind of the, the progression of this wandering group of tribesmen, right? They went from this band of, of people who just took off because the burning bush said something to now there's a record and an account of where they've been, who mm -hmm. they are They're, I mean, they're a civilization yeah. at this point. I mean, with historicity yeah. and they've grown into a people, um, into a nation. Into a and we've seen that yeah. progression into a community. We've seen that from, you know, one person who gets told something and gathers some people and frees some people and they get out and they grumble and they don't know what to do. And we see God through Moses setting up these structures that now it's set in place where there's a standing army that can go to war it. with people, that there's provision for folks who need it. Like it's a civilization. And God's blessing point. is over all of it. God's love, God's tenderness is over all of it, which is really important. So that's kind of numbers, right? I mean, is there anything we're forgetting? Uh, the fact that they're approaching the promised oh, yeah. land, but Moses won't right. get to we go in. Talk about that. <laughs> well, I mean, we talked yeah. about it some is, you know, his why. I don't. It seems unfair. But again. You know, I'm stepping into a new role. You stepped into a new role at a church. And so the church exists beyond right. any one priest's right. tenure. The people of Israel extend beyond Aaron and Moses's leadership. And so, you know, the whys and the, the what fors aren't maybe as important as what it's teaching the people of Israel. That the promised land, that the people of Israel exists beyond Moses's leadership. Church of the Resurrection exists beyond Nicholas's leadership and will extend beyond Mary Balfour's right. leadership. And I think there is something important to that. This is how life goes, right? Is that there's a wonderful life. It's You've done a lot of work. You've done your service. You've done what you need to do. You were a good and faithful servant. And Moses did that. And now it's time for a new leadership. It's time for a new person to feel empowered in that. And I, and I think there is a, a lot of beauty in that too. Yes, it seems unfair. He got them all the way there and then couldn't walk through. But I also think there's a beautiness and a graciousness about it's time for me to let go and let Joshua take over. Um, and we see that in our own lives often too. I mean, I see that in the church all the time, the people that have been in charge of that stuff forever. And then they go, okay, it's, it's often not me saying, do you want to change leadership? It's often them saying, I've done this long enough. It's time for someone else. You know, and I think that's kind of what's happening here. And it's a great reminder that this happened in the Bible, right? It, when we do that in church word, that Moses gave over his reign um, and to let a new person, a new idea, a new creativity come into the, into the world. And that's a good thing.
it's not yeah maybe moses wasn't equipped to get the people maybe. to the last step maybe moses's gift and skills were to get people from enslavement to the verge but maybe he didn't have the stamina the creativity or the skill set yeah, to do I mean, the next right because god's god's operation is bigger absolutely. than absolutely i of think us. about that with church of the resurrection all the time when nicholas was there he helped them build this building that would not have been my skill set right and now I'm here and we're focusing on other things that are, you know, this is how it rolls. And it's not a bad thing if we can embrace it. Right. And, and, and not to say that there won't be hurt and sadness in that change, but if we can embrace it. So I think that's a good question for this week is like, how do we embrace that change? I mean, you're really about to have that Alan, you know, they've had a rector for a while then an interim and I know they're going to embrace you and love you. But there will be some change and there will be some love in that. And how do we do that is beautifully and with God at the center of that. Um, for me, that's something I'm going to be praying for you and for other changes of leadership that I know that, that are happening in my life um, and the people that I know. What about you? You got one? Yeah, I, for me, it's along those lines. It's how do we try, how do we practice and and show our trust that God will provide when we're stepping into yeah. something new. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I know God will provide for you as you step into something new. God will provide for me. And I know for anyone that's listening, if we can trust that, that's a good thing. So next week is super exciting. We are having our first bishop join us, the right Reverend Brian Cole, who is the Bishop of East Tennessee. Um, he's awesome. I'm really excited about that. Both Alan and I know him and we're thrilled that he is going to be a part of the podcast. And we're going to talk about scripture in general before we jump into um, Deuteronomy in the next section. So I'm excited about that. Aren't you? Um, great. Absolutely. And today we have a new website. Yeah. And so if you go to BibleLovePodcast.com, it's not super exciting. All it has is the episodes, but Mary Balfour and I have some plans um, to build that out with some additional resources. But yeah, if you go to BibleLovePodcast.com, it'll have the links to where you can subscribe to this and, and see us on YouTube or listen to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, yeah. whatever. But that's the new home where you can go and get all your Bible. Yeah, and share. Y'all share this. We want this to be, I mean, Alan and I love doing this. It's one of my favorite parts of my week. I think it's one of Alan's too. But we aren't, aren't doing it. I mean, we get a lot out of it, but we hope that other people are too. So share it, share it, share it. Let people know about it. Um, be an advocate for the Bible Love podcast. And as always, remember, we love you, but most importantly, God does.